Thanks for tuning in to the Lean 911 podcast where you'll have a voice directly from the Gemba. I will rely on my three decades of lean successes as well as my failures to answer your most challenging questions regarding your lean transformation. I'm your host, Mark Deluzio, President and CEO of Lean Horizons Consulting and the Principal Architect of the Danaher Business System. Looking forward to your questions now. Let's go to the Gemba. Hi, Mark Deluzio here with Lean 911 Podcast. I'm going to be doing a, I don't know, four or five part series on problem solving. Uh, probably even more episodes than that as time goes on because it's a complex subject and there's a lot to it. But, you know, as long as I've been doing lean for, geez, over three decades, I've come to realize that lean is really all about problem solving on a priority basis. And we have all these different aspects and tools and approaches to be able to use to solve our problems. But if you really think about what we're trying to do, we're trying to create a better organization with robust processes that don't fail. And in order to, to successfully do that, you're going to need to know how to problem solve. So we're going to talk about all kinds of different subjects on these various episodes. And some of the episodes coming up, well, this one here is going to be about problem fixing versus problem solving. Sounds easy, but it's really easily confused today. And that's something I really want to address first off when we start talking about problem solving. Uh, however, solving problems at the lowest possible, highest necessary level in the organization will be another episode. And that's a very important one because most of the time, most companies pay that lip service. So we'll talk about that. I want to talk about leading and lagging indicators. Many times we don't really understand what drives our numbers because we're always looking at the lagging indicator. So we'll have a whole, whole episode on that. How to define a problem. It's unbelievable that so many problem-solving sessions happen without clearly defining what the problem really is. And you'll find that many of these issues that we try to go after in business are typically very complex and have multiple problem statements associated with them. It's not only one simple solution one simple problem. And another episode I want to do is challenging the status quo in terms of not accepting everything that's told to you and asking for evidence. As Ronald Reagan once said way back when, when he was asked about the, uh, the Soviet Union, he said, yeah, I trust them. I trust, but verify. So that whole episode there, and there's a lot of good stories behind that one, we're going to talk about. We'll probably have more on problem solving as time goes on. But those are some of the things that will be coming down the line. Anyway, what I want to talk about is problem fixing versus problem solving on this particular episode. Now, I'm going to go back to 1990, my very first of many, many visits to, to Japan to study the Toyota production system at Toyota and with our sensei's uh, Shingojitsu, the originators of uh, uh, the Toyota production system, who were Tashiano's first lieutenants. They brought us over, and I've done several study missions over there, but this first one that I went to, this one thing that was told to me probably paid for the whole trip, because I still remember it today. I asked about, you know, how does, how does Toyota solve problems? And the answer that came from a senior executive was, what makes a world-class company is their ability to solve problems. 
And he kind of joked a little bit, and he said, you know, even the great Toyota has problems. Now, here's the kicker. He said, but we only solve our problems once. Wow. Powerful. And I walked away. First of all, not really understanding that. I was early in my career, and, you know, we were all learning together. But it came to realize he was talking about getting to the root cause and solving these problems, not fixing these problems. So what do we mean when we talk about problem solving? Well, it's exactly that. We, we, we want to get to the root cause as to why the deviation occurred. And maybe that will be another episode. episode. What is a deviation? What is a problem? You know, what is a defect? <laughs> uh, big subject. But getting to the root cause of a problem that will prevent the problem from ever occurring again by putting in standards and processes that won't allow that, that particular problem to rear its ugly head down the line. Problem fixing. You might want to call this firefighting. You might want to call this, you know, reactionary management. But addressing the current issue of the day, and I'll give you some examples in a bit, typically dealing with the symptom, but not the true root cause of the problem. So you have to ask yourself, and I'll ask you at the end of this episode, you know, what, how do your company solve problems? What, what, what do you guys do? How do you know you're really solving something when you're dealing with all these issues of the day? Okay. So let me give you some examples. These are real life examples. And I want to kind of walk through uh, without revealing, you know, who any of these people are, because many of them are my clients. Excuse me. Um, I had a client that had a large defect problem with their with their packaging and assembly, and they consistently put the wrong parts in the wrong bags and the wrong parts in the wrong box and and all that, right? And they said to me, "Hey, Mark, um, we'd like to do standard work on our rework area." I go, "Excuse me." Yeah, we want to do standard work on our rework area. What do you mean your rework area? Well, the customer has asked us, after we package the boxes and the parts, to open them up again and recount them. <laughs> so we, it's costing us, they had like 22 people doing this, right? And I, they said, it's costing us a lot of money. We're going to get more efficient at it, more efficient at it. I think what you got to do is get rid of the reason why the customer asked you to do it in the first place. And they couldn't see the difference. They thought that rework was institutionalized and it was just the way it was going to be from then on out and never go back to the customer to prove that they solved the problem and that the quality was, you know, where it needed to be relative to satisfy the customer. So that's an example of institutionalizing rework and not addressing the problem whatsoever. Okay. Another example, we had a, a client that had a major defect that wasn't always, well, put it this way, the, the product was being produced and a particular part of the operation was failing. So the product went through the, the production process and was taken over to another area and being addressed in that regard. That became very institutionalized. They had four people working on it at the tune of, uh, what was it, $25 an hour. 
and you're looking at uh, you do the math on that. That's at least two hundred, maybe more, thousand dollars a year in labor of just addressing the process that didn't work right the first time. And as a matter of fact, the piece of equipment that was failing, that was really tied into this process, was overheating and failing all the time because in a very it was in a very hot environment. So their solution was, hey, we're going to buy more of the same equipment. We got it on order. It's coming in. As opposed to addressing the issue altogether. I said, well, geez, if you're going to buy two more pieces of equipment to replace the ones that failed, why don't you go out and buy, get a discount and buy 100 of them because you're going to need them? Because this is going to, going to continue to happen as time goes on. You can't fix a problem. And again, throwing capital at it, throwing money at this problem was not the solution. But that, there you needed a really good Kaizen team and a good Kaizen effort to go and really solve the root cause of the problem as to why that process was failing. And also, you know, get rid of all this rework and all the defects and everything associated with it. So there's another example. Uh, had another client. Actually, this happened at Danner. It wasn't a client. Where we had a technical call center. And I got called in. Uh, they called me up and uh, the group executive for this group says, Mark, I'd like you to personally go down and and talk to these guys and 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 help them because they're having all kinds of customer complaints. So I went over and talked to the president of the unit, and uh, the first thing he said to me was, "Yeah, our our problem." As I asked him, yeah, "What's your what do you think the problem is?" Our customers are on hold for too long. Your customers are on hold for too long. Yeah, they hang up, then they call back, and they're upset. But we think we have a solution. He said, "Our solution is." We're getting a new phone system, and that should handle this issue. I said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to you know, play music or put them through what I call phone mail jail, hitting a bunch of buttons until they're frustrated and hang up? You know, I mean, how is a phone system going to handle that? So I said, look, you're a technical call center. Now, this is just taking a different picture of what's going on here. So there's two sides, two two ways you can look at what was going on with this particular operation. One is you can improve the efficiency in which they would answer calls when a call came in. And they had about 40 or 50 people in this, you know, taking fielding calls from around the world. So I said, okay, well, look, if somebody called up with a problem and you've got, let's say, 50 people who could possibly handle that problem, first of all, would they all handle it the same way? Will they all handle it in the same time frame, give or take? Do they all have the same process to be able to answer that particular call? How would that look? He says, well, I never thought about it that way. But he says, you know, well, you know, we have, we have some people have really great knowledge and other people that are new. Some people are working on a paper manuals and they have to search for the, you know, for the answer. Some people use, we have an electronic system that sometimes they use. Some people don't like it. So all these factors were causing all this variation in terms of how they handle the, the various phone calls. So obviously you want to get to a point where everybody's doing it the same way, using the same you know, process, if you will. And also you might say, well, geez, I might have to you know, set this up in value stream because maybe somebody who calls it with a software issue needs to go with people who are more versed with software. And people will call up with a, you know, with a hardware issue the same way, right? So, so that's the first thought. 
But then I said to this uh, to this president, I said, well, look, have you ever considered that every time somebody calls you, it's a defect? And he just looked at me, well, no, what do you mean? I said, well, do they ever call you to tell you you're doing a great job? Do they ever call you to tell you that things are going really well? He goes, well, no, they always call me when there's a problem. Okay, have you looked at the problems that they keep calling you about? Have you put them in a Pareto in some sorts? Have you looked at why they're calling you? And then have we gone back and addressed the biggest, you know, Pareto items so that we can mitigate the reasons why they call us in the future? Well, geez, no, we ever, never thought about that. I said, you know, ideally, the you know philosophy, I think, should be that this this group should go away. Now, okay, it never will. I know that. But, but at the end of the day, if we're continuing to solve the same problems over and over again and not addressing you know, what the issues are, well, that's, that's wrong. So we started looking at it. And for example, one of the things we found was the instruction manual for installation was very confusing. And it, it actually got down to a certain section of the, you know, of the uh, installation manual. So we went back and rewrote that part of the manual, tested it and made sure it worked, right? It was things like that. There were all, maybe there were some issues I can't remember now, it was a while ago, but uh, issues with uh, a, a certain component always failed or was confusing as to how to put something together. They would put it in backwards, whatever. But, but the whole point was, let's categorize why people call you and then go after and put Kaizen's around the reasons why they call so we can eliminate it. So, so again, that that's a, another you know form of institutionalizing waste, saying we're going to get really good at handling phone calls. Okay, that's great. Yeah, you do have to do that. But hey, how about you eliminate why they call you to begin with, right? Had another client that built, you know, big industrial equipment. And they were suffering from the fact that the requirements from the customer coming in were ill, ill-written, if you will, on the, uh, on the uh, sales order. So the engineering group would get the order. And all of a sudden, they put it together. Then all of a sudden, there would be a whole flurry of engineering change orders, ECOs, if you will. And again, they wanted to get really good at ECOs and handling the administration of ECOs. And my, my, my thought was, well, geez, you know, an ECO is actually uh, a defect. So if you get really good, you, you're problem fixing again, right? You, you're, you're fixing problems but not addressing problems. So same thing with the technical call center. Let's, in a Pareto-type fashion, understand what kind of ECOs did we have. And we started looking at it, and first you can look at it from uh, the fact that it all had to do with maybe software, a majority had to do with maybe the hardware, a certain you know component, maybe a supplier. But we also looked at it based on sales, technical sales rep. You know, did most of the the, the, the problems come from a technical, a bunch of technical sales reps that did not have training as to how to write a good sales order or get the good, the right requirements from the customer. Did it always happen with the same set of customers? You know that kind of thing. So we started looking at that, and the and the whole idea here, and it's a it's a change of mindset to say an ECO, an engineering change order, is a defect. Every time we have to write one, something went wrong, and that goes into the cost of poor quality, which will be an episode as well. 
So, uh, you know, ECOs are, are costly. But it got to be a point where this company viewed ECOs as just something they did every day. And it was just, they come in every day and, okay, which ECO do I have to deal with today? Nobody ever thought, hey, you know, let's eliminate the reasons for ECOs. You know, you see this all the time, uh, especially when, you know, I did a whole thing on daily management and Gemba boards and all these Gemba board meetings that we have in the morning and Gemba walks. And a lot of times you hear people say uh, at the Gemba meetings uh, at the board, hey, Charlie, is that is that part coming in for machine number 224? Uh, yeah, Bill, it's coming in at 2 o'clock today. We're going to get it installed. We'll get that machine up and running by 3 o'clock. And they view that as problem solving. The PC board blew. They didn't have any PC boards in stock to replace it. And we were the first one, last ones to find out that the PC board was going to blow. So why the heck, you know, so what process are we talking about? So all of these issues that we look at, you have to ask yourself, what failed as a process? So if I look at this PC board failure in this machine, I look at the TPM process. Why didn't we have early warning signals? Why didn't we have a life study on the PC boards? Why didn't we maybe put IoT devices into the equipment to sense heat, which may tell me that the PC board was going to burn? You know, things like that. So going back and replacing the PC board and getting a machine up and running is not problem solving. That's problem fixing. Even if you had the PC board on hand and your machine went down and you had to call a maintenance person over to replace it, let's say it happened even in a half an hour. We should not have been surprised that way. You know, machine downtime should be on our nickel and on our time frame, not on some undefined time frame. So, again, that activity of getting the machine up and running is what I term problem fixing versus uh, problem solving. Right? So, you get the idea here. Are we getting to the root cause? So, that PC board never is a problem again in terms of down production. That engineering changeovers go away. That calls from our customers on technical support go away. That's really problem solving, not problem fixing. Okay. Now, one of the things that we institutionalize in, in a company, well, one of the we institutionalize a lot of waste in a company and, and look at it as just a normal course of business. So, uh, I had a rule of thumb that said, I wrote about it in one of my earlier books, that said anything with an RE, RE, is waste. Anytime you have to redo something, it's waste. So you got rework, redo, reconcile. I'm an ex-finance guy. Man, we used to reconcile till we're blue in the face. Regrind, recalculate, recall, rewrite, re-engineer, retrain, reschedule. All these things that begin with re are typically waste. Now, I did have an insurance client one time that was heavily involved in reinsurance. So I had to assure the uh, president of that unit that <laughs> reinsurance was not waste, okay? Uh, but, uh, but you get my point, right? So look at these kind of things that you do all the time and ask yourself, is it waste? Are you hiding a problem? Are you institutionalizing something that should be mitigated and eliminated by really good problems, uh, root cause problem solving. Okay. So don't accept these activities as the norm. Challenge the status quo. And we're going to have a whole episode on, on challenging the status quo, quo, quo. 
and always ask what process is broken. And I will have an episode on my 10 rules for a process. And to give you a little insight to that, the first rule is if it's not documented, it's not a process. You can't call it a process. If you play Monopoly, you cannot pass go and collect $200. You can't go on to the other nine steps. You don't have a process. And how many times have you asked that question? Hey, do you have a process for this? Oh, yeah, yeah, we have a process for that. Oh, can you show it to me? Can you email it to me? Can you send it to me? Well, you know, we we don't have it documented. We we, we kind of have it, you know, we know what it is, though. I mean, come on, we're sales guys. We've been We've been doing sales for years. We know how to do this stuff. Right or engineers? Yeah, no, no. We already know this. Well, if you if you know what you're doing, why did you have a problem? Okay, so always ask what process failed, and my performance to that process. Now, if again, if the process doesn't exist, that's your first problem that you got to deal with, right? And ask yourself the question: Is your organization truly solving the problems, and are you solving them? only once. More to come on problem solving. This is just an opener, but I do appreciate your time. Uh, email me at mark, M-A-R-K, mark at lean911.com with your comments or your questions. And uh, go to lean911.com to get a list of all of the uh, podcasts that are on there. This will be up on YouTube. You can click on my website, lean911.com, and you can also Get this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the you know all the big podcasts that are out there. Anyway, till next time, Mark Deluzio. We'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lean Nine One One podcast. I'll be happy to address your questions or feedback on future episodes. Email me at mark at lean nine one one dot com. You can check out our other episodes by visiting our website at lean911.com, our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your host, Mark Deluzio. Thanks for listening.